book of Hebrews, and I'm going to read about three verses, and I'm not even going to give you a title. I was almost about to say that I'm not going to give you any points, but a good friend of mine told me one time that every message needs to have a point, and so I will give you just a couple of thoughts, but uh, no points up on the screen tonight, no title to the message. We're just going to look at this thought of hope for a few minutes and the hope that we have in Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, if you're there, let's just stand together uh, one more time tonight. We're going to pick up in verse number 17, read down through verse 19, and I'll pray and let you be seated. I'm going to give you just a few thoughts and uh, and let you be seated. Hebrews 6, verse number 17, the Bible says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. That's a wonderful title there, by the way. We could spend a while on that. The immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the what? The hope set before us. Look at verse 19, which, there it is again, hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for the wonderful singing tonight. Lord, I thank you for the subject of our singing. And I pray that, Father, we have reflected the past few weeks as we've been in this Christmas season, Lord, about that child that was born to bear our sins to the cross. And thank you for the hope we find in Christ. And I pray you'd help us, Lord, to speak on it just for a few minutes, Lord, before the invitation, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Heath told me what the theme was, begin to pray about what to, uh, what to close up with tonight. I begin thinking about hope. And you think about just that word, just the word hope gives us hope, doesn't it? It's amazing how often a situation may seem dire and, 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 and pointless and hopeless, and then something comes along to give us hope, and it changes everything. When you get just a little bit of, of hope, maybe it's a, a diagnosis from a doctor, maybe it's a car accident, and something's going on, and doctors are saying, we're doing our best, and there's a chance that so-and-so will pull through, or we can get this into remission. It just gives you hope. And I was thinking about a story I read years ago about how there was a self-made million up in Harlem, and uh, he went to speak to a school about dropout rates. Their dropout rates was extremely high, over 50% by the time they reached high school and, and graduated 12th grade, and they was trying to encourage the young people not to drop out and how they needed to stay in, and he's up there fumbling through, trying to find the right words to really spark the young people, and he says, you need to stay in school, you need to work hard, and he looked across the young people, and they just... They were not impressed by what he had to say, and so he just continued to talk, and nothing he said really resonated with the young people, and finally he took his notes up, bought them up, and he just threw them to the floor, and he says, listen, I'll tell you what. He says, if you'll stay in school, this was a sixth grade class, true story, if you will stay in school and you graduate, I will pay for your college. All of a sudden, all of those young people piped up and looked up and were more animated and paid attention, and the graduation rate for that class was over 90%. All because a self-made millionaire came in when they were in the sixth grade, and he gave them hope. 
And this is the hope that we have that's much better than a college degree. The hope that we have in Christ as a child of God ought to change everything. Oftentimes we look at our hope and we, I think we look at our hope as a, a post-dated check. Anybody ever done that before? A post-dated check? Most people don't even write checks anymore, do we? I don't know that I could write one. It's been a long time as that debit card comes in handy. You don't have to write checks anymore. But you would write a check and you would put a post-date on it, right? And it couldn't be cashed right now. It could only be cashed later. And sometimes I think we look at the hope that we have in Christ as a post-dated check where, yes, it's nice to have the hope of eternity, but that comes after we die. I beg to differ tonight. I believe you read throughout Scripture, you'll find that the hope that we have, that eternal hope, that everlasting hope is not just in heaven. It began the day that you trusted Christ. I believe tonight we'll see in this passage of Scripture just for a few minutes to see that the hope that we have should change every moment of our life, even all the way to eternity. So look at verse number 17 real quickly. The Bible says we're in God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. There we are. The heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel. Now there's a word we don't use very often. Now, we know in verse number 18 and verse number 19, we're talking about hope, but as we back up, God is giving us the credentials of our hope. You know, hope is only as good as what you base it upon. I think about uh, this, this college football season, and as you've been paying attention, our football team has not been doing too bad. But you watch folks, they have injuries, and folks, their health is up and down, and the flu spreads around, and it's amazing how our hope rises and falls on the players. And look, one good player, particularly our quarterback, gets knocked out. This thing may not go too well the next two games that we plan on playing. Why? Because our hope is based on something that is fallible, something that can fail, and something that can fall. But understand tonight, God is giving us the credentials of our hope in verse number 17. The Bible says the immutability of his promise. That word immutability is not a word we use often, but basically it means unchanging and enduring. God wants us to know tonight the hope in verse 18 and verse number 19 is an enduring hope that we have. And look, the hope we have is enduring because it's based on a God that's always going to endure. You see, it's based on something that is unchanging. It's based on someone whose promises are immutable. Look, we have no reason to be hopeless in this world because the one in whom our hope is based upon is going nowhere. He's immutable. So are his promises. I think about the times that I fly. I enjoy flying. I really do, especially when the flights are smooth. I like those best. Uh, I get really close to the Lord when they're not smooth, and so maybe sometimes a little bit of turbulence is not always a bad thing. And so I learned years ago, we were flying back from Jamaica, and we were flying over right around Cuba, and we ran into a thunderstorm, and the plane began to rock around, and I immediately grabbed the flight attendant's arm, and the only thing I knew to tell her was how I was feeling. You know, I just like to express myself, and I says, I don't like this. She looked down at me, and uh, she just laughed. She says, honey, as long as I'm on my feet, you don't have anything to worry about. She says, now, when I go sit in that little chair over there, and I buckle my safety belt, then you have a reason to be worried. I thought about that tonight. Think about God. As long as God, listen, as long as he's on his feet, we have nothing to worry about. And can I tell you, God's immutable. He's enduring. He's unchanging. There's no kind of turbulence that we will face in this life that should rob us of our hope because there's no type of turbulence in this life that can shake God. 
Now, folks, I'm going to face things tomorrow and the next day, and you are as well, throughout the rest of our life that's going to shake us. But it shouldn't shake us loose of our hope. Why? Because on that first Christmas morning, hope arrived, and he hasn't gone anywhere. Aren't you glad? Nothing can shake God. Nothing moves him out of the place. And the Bible says that he wants to give us the heirs of promise. He wants to give us a a more immutable counsel to let you know the hope that he's given us. In verse 18 and 19, cannot be shaken by circumstance. Now, circumstances can be frightening, can't they? Life can be scary. Trying to raise kids in this world, trying to build a home that honors and glorifies God and try to pastor a church. Look, trying to do all the things God's called us to do can be frightening in the face of circumstance, but you don't have to lose your hope. Why? Because our hope is immutable just as God, and that's the one that it's based on. So notice he says it's enduring. Look at verse number 18 real quickly. Not only is it enduring, but watch what happens because we have an enduring hope. The Bible says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. We might have a strong consolation. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life I need consolation, all right? My wife will tell you I can whine with the best of them. I can pout with the best of them, and I can feel sorry for myself with the best of them, all right? And there are times I just need a little consolation. Now, I love my wife dearly, but I tell her oftentimes she wouldn't have made a good nurse, all right? You know, just suck it up. Stand up. You're be a man, you know? It just really demoralizes me when my wife tells me, be a man, you know? It's going to be all right. They didn't mean to hurt your feelings and, you know, things along that line. I need consolation. But notice the Bible says that the hope that we have, it's enduring. And because it's enduring, number two, it gives us a consolation. You see, there's consolation in the hope that we have in Christ because we know that it's enduring, okay? It fills the void of our heart and the needs of our heart when circumstances come. Why? Because it's enduring. We are consoled, watch, knowing that it's always going to be there. We have consolation. Notice what it says. Not only a consolation, but a strong consolation. Verse we often use at funerals, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. It's not just a funeral verse. Listen close. The Bible says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. Most miserable if we only have hope in this life. That's that's not very consoling to me. I'm thankful for the hope in this life, but if the hope didn't go beyond this life and endure past this life, there's very little consolation in that. Hey, I had hope in this life, but I'm going to die and go to hell. There's not much consolation in that. It'd be hard to enjoy the hope in this life if there wasn't hope in the life to come. And so because we have an enduring hope, we have a consoling hope because it goes beyond the life that we live. Oftentimes, I think we look at the Christian life a lot like Cinderella. I think we've all seen the movie Cinderella. Whether we want to admit it or not, amen. I got some little ones raising their hand. Look, I have a daughter, so that gives me an excuse to watch it whenever I want to. And, you know, in Cinderella, when the clock struck midnight, the dream was over. It was nice while it lasted, but when that clock struck midnight, her nice carriage became a pumpkin again, and I forget, was a horseman, it was a lizard or something like that, and he became a lizard again, and her old nice dress went back to the old rough dress. It was just a temporary consolation, if you will. 
Aren't you glad the hope that we have in Christ, it's an enduring hope, and it's a consoling hope, and when the clock strikes midnight, and the clock strikes one o'clock, and the clock strikes two o'clock, we still have hope? You wake up at 3 a.m., and your life's falling apart. Look, doesn't matter. We have an enduring hope that should console us because God's gone nowhere. I'm thankful tonight that not only do we have a consolation, but we have a strong consolation. Psalms 39, 7, David says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? You need to write that verse down because you're going to need it one day. David says, My hope is in thee. How often in David's life did he need consolation? How often in David's life did the evil ones surround him? And how often did it seem like the evil ones were prospering? And Saul was always trying to, to kill David, and he needed consolation. What did he need? He needed a hope. That's what he needed. David says, what am I waiting for? He says, my hope is in thee. I hope tonight that you can say that I have hope, not because you have money, because money is fleeting. You can't take it with you. So you better put your hope in something tonight that is enduring, and that is Christ. And as they sing so eloquently tonight, the hope arrived on that first Christmas morning, and it hasn't gone anywhere. It's enduring. It's, it's got a consolation. And then notice the last part. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul? Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul? As you know, the past six months, you've got to know me. I like illustrations. Uh, I like sniffing out an illustration. I, every once in a while, you just know there's an illustration in a story. You just got to find it. That's kind of how I am. And I love how the Word of God gives us illustrations. The Bible says in verse 19, the hope, he's equating it to an anchor of the soul. Now, I don't have a boat, but I've been on a few boats before. I've been out scuba diving out in the, the Gulf of Mexico, and they'll find the coordinates where we're going to go dive down on a ship that's down there, and they'll drop anchor. And the winds begin to blow, or the waves begin to rise, or the swells kind of push us back and forth, and yet the boat remains. Now, here's what's beautiful about an anchor. The boat is not remaining because of just the integrity of the boat. The boat is remaining because of what you can't see below the surface. It's that anchor that's holding on for the boat. Can I tell you, if it's up to me, I cannot withstand the winds and the storms of this life. I can't hold up. Look, if I hold up, it's because of what you can't see, and it's the anchor of my soul. It's my hope. What does the Bible tell us to be ready to give an answer of the what? The hope. Now, why are they asking you about your hope? Because they see that you're that ship. And they see the winds blowing you. And they see the waves are crashing. And yet you're remaining. You're enduring. They said, man, you're strong. No. My anchor is. You know, the hymn that we used to sing, I believe the name of the Heathcote Rebbe, in times like these, is that the name of that song? In times like these, you need a Bible. In times like these, you need an anchor. And it says, I'm sure, I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Can I tell you, if there was ever a time in, in the history of the world that I believe you needed an anchor, it's now. And that anchors the hope that we can only find in Christ. And thank God, that first Christmas morning that we preached about this morning, they sang about tonight, hope arrived. And I have an anchor. It's not me. It is what is below the surface in Christ. Notice verse 19 real quickly, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure 
I wrote myself a note tonight. I love it when you find something that, boy, just speaks to you and hits right to the heart of something you might, might be dealing with in your life. Verse number 19, the Bible says, both sure. Both sure. That anchor we have is sure. You know, there are times in my life I'm not sure. I'm not talking about I can't figure it all out, but I'm saying there are times in my life where I'm not as steady as I should be. Aren't you glad I can be steady and I can be sure because my anchor is sure? Both sure and steadfast. And then here's the part I love. The Bible says, and which entereth into that within the veil. Now, boy, you could go a million directions with this tonight. But I want you to go back to the anchor, if you could, okay? Go back to that anchor. The Bible says our hope is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And the Bible says that hope which entereth into that within the veil. You know, an anchor has to grab hold of something. An anchor's got to be hooked tight to something. It's got to grab hold of something. And the Bible says that hope is our anchor. And watch what it goes all the way back to, which entereth into that within the veil, the very presence of God. Our hope goes all the way into the presence of God. That's why our anchor is sure. That's why our anchor is steadfast, and I can be sure too. Why? Because I have a hope that goes all the way into the veil, into the presence of God, and it's going nowhere. So tonight, they sing about it. There's no need to preach any more about it. Do you have that hope? Do you know for sure that your anchor holds and grips the solid rock, which is Jesus? Do you have hope in Christ tonight? And if you are saved, which I imagine, look, your Sunday night. Usually on Sunday night, folks come back. Uh, you know the Lord. Now, there may be a chance someone's lost, but I imagine most of you are probably saved. Can I ask you, are you living like you have an enduring hope? Are you living like, what a testimony an enduring hope is. Do you have that consolation that no matter what you face tomorrow, cannot shake you because it's not shaking the one who our hope is dependent upon? And if you do have that hope, can I ask you, have you shared it? Have you shared it? I didn't mention this this morning, but when you read about the shepherds, when they responded to what God had made known unto them, they went and they sought out the child, and they found him. But notice what they did after they found him. The Bible says they went and began to spread abroad the news. The Messiah had come. Hope had arrived and they came and they saw the hope. They witnessed it with their eyes and then they went and began to share what they found. If you have that hope tonight, how selfish it would be to sit on it when there's others whose ship is tossed to and fro and all they need is what you've got. It's an anchor. I'll close with this. I think we've all seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Is that the name of it? Jimmy Stewart? Is that the name of the movie? Jimmy Stewart? And you remember how he was hopeless there in the first part of the movie? And then by the end of the movie, he got his hope back. He got encouraged. And he begins to run up and down the streets of Bedford Falls. You remember that part? He said, Merry Christmas to everybody. I think the lamppost, he wishing Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to the old savings in long. He's just going along, spreading Christmas cheer and spreading the newfound hope that he had. And I thought about this evening, I'd like to be like Jimmy Stewart in that movie. I'd like to take the hope that I've got and spread it all up and down the streets of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, because I want you to know it's enduring, and it's consoling, and it's an anchor for the soul. Have you got it?
Have you got it? Number two, are you living like you got it? Number three, are you sharing it tonight? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.